What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and this is the final episode of WandaVision. So if you've been listening to the show, you know that that means I'm joined by Rob and Harrison from The Basement Binge. So a bittersweet episode, but guys, uh, welcome. Rob, how are you feeling with this being the last episode? Um. I've got a lot of emotions about this. I uh, I would definitely say I've felt most of the feels this week. Um, this one it, it takes you on a roller coaster with with what it brings you. You've got some pretty fun moments. You've got some light moments. Um, you've definitely got some pretty heavy moments though. There's some real gut punches uh, in the series finale. And I just have to say that I'm I'm so glad that we get to do this show together to kind of work out our our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions about this, since we don't all have the ability to create a pocket reality to deal with those things on our own. Uh, we we kind of get to do this together, so I'm I'm really happy to be able to talk about this uh, with you both of you guys. Yeah, Harrison, what are your what are your thoughts here? Yeah, similar situation. I remember, you know, finally coming around to the day of the recording house. I was like, finally, we can talk about it. And just being like so excited that I, I've waited so long since Friday to like have complete thoughts about it um, and to be able to talk to the two of you about it. Because we text each other, but it's so limited. It's like, did you watch it? And then it's like, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, you can tell that we all want to talk about it, but we wait to say something. So I was extremely excited. Um, but then also I was like, oh man, like this is the last WandaVision episode. Uh, so it's just bittersweet. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about that. You know, I feel the same way. It's like, oh man, like it's over. It's super fun to talk about, but for a show that in the beginning wasn't super on my radar, uh, when Rob and I did an episode called Matt goes to the mailbox, I, you know, I named Moon Knight as my most anticipated show for Disney Plus, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, WandaVision, I'll I'll watch it." But for me personally, you know, this isn't something that I was like, "Oh my god, I like I have to have this." It was, yeah, it's going to be MCU content. It'll be nice to have things, you know, back from the MCU. But this quickly turned into something that was okay. I need it to be Friday, and you know, it certainly helped having you know you guys to talk to about it, but. You know, on its own, if you don't do something like we're doing or you're not texting a buddy, which I'd be surprised because this is pop culture now, um, it's still super entertaining and engaging. So I'm super excited to get this episode started and we have a lot to talk about. So Harrison, I'm going to let you go first on the segment that we call Two Minute Warning. Uh, Listeners, this is where we're going to give our spoiler-free thoughts about the episode before we really break this episode down. So, uh, Harrison, you you got first dibs. Yeah, uh, just as like an overall review of the the season and the episode, I like Matt said, I had no idea that I would care this much about WandaVision. And the way that the episode was able to wrap all of that care that I have developed for Wanda and Vision into a final episode and also into a, a season concluding, uh, not necessarily season, but like event concluding thing. Cause I don't think there's going to be season two. Either way it, it's ending is what I'm trying to say. And the way to, to wrap that all up, I thought was phenomenal. It, it's interesting to now go back and like realize that I have complaints because in the moment I thought it was the best thing ever. There wasn't a single thing that I had wrong with it because I was so wrapped up in the emotions of Wanda and vision and everything that's involved in this concluding episode on top of a bunch of exciting and like cool things like, well, like this is like, like a superhero movie and, and this is happening and type of thing. 
And to have both of those was just great. And I, week in and week out, I found out all the reasons that I loved WandaVision that I had no idea. I, I came to care for Wanda and Vision in a way that I didn't before. And I had no idea that I was going to love this show this much. So to have it all wrapped up is, is again, bittersweet. But the way that they managed to do that and the way that it made me personally just totally love it in the moment I thought was awesome. I know not everyone feels the same, and I'm sure we're going to get into the complaints. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to get my spoon feeding over here as Jack-Jack as I've labeled myself. But it what is just a great episode to enjoy. There were so many, um, even as we've had a chance to talk about it a little bit, and I've kind of come to terms with my complaints, there's still so much about it that I love that I just think about this final episode uh, in great regard. Yeah, Rob, what are uh, what's your initial, you know, thought about this episode? I think we're all three in agreement that, wow, we never saw it coming, that we would feel um, so into this show when it was first announced. I mean, it was just kind of like, okay, what's this thing going to be? They're, they're doing it based on old classic sitcoms. Like, what? Oh, okay. Um, and, and we didn't really pay much attention to it, I don't think. Um, and this show has really become like this is this is the piece of pop culture right now that really is moving the needle this is what people are talking about online this is what people are talking about at work this is the show that people are talking about and it was just so great to have new mcu content after over a year of nothing just every week when that opening credits rolls and we get the theme song and we get the marvel studios logo like just every week i'm so just excited for new mcu content and yeah, Matt, when we did the uh, mailbox episode, you know, we we looked at this and said, this this could be kind of trippy and kind of wild. Like, what is this thing going to be? I'm a little more excited for it um, than I was initially. And and sitting here after, you know, nine weeks of this, I, eight weeks, I guess, because we got two episodes in, in week one. Um, wow. I just I, I, I can't stop saying that I'm blown away by it. But I, yeah, I, I never imagined that. Uh, this would be as well executed as it was. And and yeah, like I should really doubt Marvel Studios because how often do they really let us down? Um, yeah, there's so much to like here. However, there's there's one major thing that I absolutely hate from this episode. We'll get into it. I hate it. It it I detest it. I, I cannot dislike it enough. Um nitpicks on other stuff throughout maybe some some story things that i wish would have been developed differently or wrapped up differently but one major thing uh, i actually feel kind of offended about and i don't mean offended in the way that like you know somebody had, had said an offensive comment but just uh as a fan i, I kind of feel like my uh my sensibilities were were betrayed um and and just kind of um, discredited the fan base um and what we were expecting with one major thing yeah, there's there's a lot that I agree with there. I would say that this episode has one major snafu for me that's kind of unforgivable. Uh, it would take a lot to make me understand that decision, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, but there's a couple minor things, too. Um, one of them is not as unforgivable as I feel, you know, this one plot point. But there is another part of this episode that really causes some doubt for me about I, I can't believe they they would miss out on that opportunity. But 
I mean, overall, this episode, in the moment, it's really easy to forget what some of these things while watching the episode. It's when you're sitting and thinking about it, but it still cannot really shake how great this show was and what I felt was good about this episode for me does outweigh the the negative. So that's going to be my spoiler-free portion of this. So listeners, if you've been following along with this show, this is where if you haven't for some reason by now been able to watch this episode of WandaVision, Pause the show, go watch it, and come back and listen um, if you do not want to be spoiled because this is where we get into our spoiler discussion. And guys, I think it would be appropriate considering we've talked a little bit before recording about what we feel is the disappointment, and we have a couple of varying opinions on it. But one thing that I know we're all in agreement on is it's a major missed opportunity that the first time that we see uh, White Vision, because that's what we know him as, he's not voiced by James Spader. I felt that was a huge missed opportunity to really drive home emotional trauma for Wanda. Not that she didn't have enough of it, for God's sakes, but uh, I just felt like that would have been a slam dunk. It would have added to the episode. And I was, I was quite frankly, I was surprised that they did not, you know, have that happen. So Rob, I'll defer to you first. What were your thoughts on that when he shows up on the screen and he speaks to Wanda and it's Paul Bettany's voice? Um, so last week I thought I was pretty slick and I had a theory. Turns out both you guys had that exact same theory that that's what we were going to get. Um, and we, we had seen through IMDB that James Spader was credited as being a part of the show. Um, ultimately, I don't think we ever got him. In fact, unless they, you know, were crediting him because of a, you know, previously on one division and they set up something in, in one of the, you know, one of the scenes leading up to it where it was a piece of Ultron's voice, which I don't even remember seeing that. Um, but yeah, to call it a missed opportunity, I think is, is just absolutely um, the perfect way to put it. Um, it would have had um, even more tie in to the creation of vision, um, which was a, a lot of what was going on with this. Um, it would have really differentiated the two of them together. I do like that um, they made his voice different um, when they face off against each other. It makes it much easier to understand um, which one of them is speaking at what point and which one of them is doing what. Um, so I do like that even though they kept Paul Bettany's voice, they altered it. They made it slightly more digital. They made it slightly more robotic. But, man, that would have been such a cool callback to have uh, James Spader uh, voicing White Vision. And then he can adopt Paul Bettany's voice again when he kind of um, regains his memories. But, yeah, missed opportunity, but for sure. Harrison, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've definitely had some time to stew over all of these things. Um, but I'm just going to refer back to what you said, Matt. You said that it could have been a slam dunk. And I think that that's a great expression because I think with Paul Bedney and the, the editing that they did to this voice and the way that it does, it was just like a nice, easy layup, right? It got the job done, but there was some more that could have been added that really would have been like a slam dunk. And I like, I, you know, those moments when you're watching a TV show or a movie and something happens you're just like oh like you just kind of freak out raise up in your seat a little bit that would have been that moment if it was james spade uh it didn't happen so total miss opportunity 
But I will say, beyond just the initial shock that I was wrong when Paul Bettany's voice came out instead of James Spader uh, in the episode when I was watching it for the first time, I he hadn't talked yet, and I was like, okay, he's going to open his mouth and it's going to be James Spader, and it wasn't. And Paul Bettany's voice came out, and I was surprised. Uh, once that initial surprise was gone, I was like, okay, and I got used to it, and it was totally fine, and it worked actually quite well for me. I actually really liked what they did with his voice. So I really did have a big initial disappointment. Uh, but by the time we got to the ship of Theseus conversation, I had just kind of come to terms that I was wrong and that it was like, um, yeah, missed opportunity, but whatever, this is what we got and I'm okay with it. So yeah, definitely could have been better, but I've come to terms with that one, so to speak. Like, it's not like I like, oh yeah, it's the best thing ever. It's just like, whatever, that's what we got. And I guess I just have to accept it. (laughs) Okay. So, let's move on though and i think rob based on your comments i'm aware of the part that you're saying you hate but the the real elephant in the room for this show that i think everybody was waiting to see what this payoff is going to be let's get that out of the way now and let's talk about fake quicksilver because we find out in this episode that any crossover theory, at least initially, who knows, they could certainly do something down the road. But as far as fans know right now, the Evans-Peter crossover was simply just them placing an actor inside this show because we find out, uh, and I'm not saying this wrong for listeners, um, if you have seen this or for some reason don't care to be spoiled to the episode, Uh, His name is Ralph Boner, uh, which I never thought I'd have to hear from the MCU. It sounded kind of juvenile, but (laughs) he's he's a nobody. He is just a resident of Westview like everybody else. And Rob, I'm going to assume that's what you meant is the part that you hated. So I'm going to let you close out this segment. So, Harrison, I'm going to go to you first. What are your thoughts on this? I'm definitely in the minority between the three of us. Uh, first, let me say, when I was watching the episode, it didn't even cross my mind that it was something to complain about. Like, I was so involved in whatever was happening. Like, it's hard to explain where my mind was at, but I was just kind of like, oh, interesting. Like, 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 I was just watching it play out and just observing it. I, I didn't have too many critical thoughts about it. Uh, the episode ended, and I put a five stars up and wrote a review, and I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then I started to read other people's reviews. I started to think about it more. And then I was like, wait, he's not Quicksilver? Like, he's Ralph Boner? Like, and, and so in, in the moment, the what, whatever you want to label it as, I was fine with. But the more I think about it critically, I'm going to stand firmly on the line since I've been wash back and forth between my own thoughts and and people who have similar feelings as me. And then you guys who I think strongly (laughs) dislike it, uh, uh, strong kind of land somewhere in the middle and say, uh, I think it was a missed opportunity. Do I hate it? No. Am I kind of like disappointed in the, in the MCU and the show creators that they didn't capitalize on it and that the way that they did it capitalize on it is with a stupid joke. Yeah. I'm like kind of irritated and like that was dumb. Clearly, this is the wrong decision, but I'm not so bothered by it where I'm like really upset. I'm just like that. That was dumb. They should have done something differently, but I'm sure that it's going to be awesome. Whatever does happen. Like I have such confidence still that they've kind of 
I, I've lost a little bit, but my confidence is still strong that whatever Evans Peter Evans Evan Peters is is important. Uh, so I just kind of view it as a misstep um, that should have gone differently and sadly didn't, but will get eventually. But I know that I'm kind of soft in my perception of it, especially compared to the two of you. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'll, I'll just say my thoughts on it. And my thoughts are, it, I'm still thinking of it in terms of what we have right now. I'm taking it at face value that this is what it is. And to me, if this is the route that you were going to go, it was great to see him. But seeing him and how now this has come to light of him just being a regular character, I can backtrack and say, I don't feel that you needed to cast him to get to where we were in the season finale. So to me, that's why I'm one a little bit more harsh towards it because I feel like you could take that entire point out and still have the same result. So the fact that you really kind of uh, Rob, I think you said, um, you know, had like a betrayal, so to speak to fans, um, especially too, because regardless of what you think of the, the Fox X-Men movies, one thing that a lot of people liked about those movies were most of the cast choices and he was one of them. So I know a lot of people were excited to say, well, at least we're going to get him crossing over. So the fact that it just seems to be a throwaway is why it upsets me. Uh, And it also too, I immediately thought of the Mandarin in Iron Man three, where they've shown almost a track record, so to speak now, of taking somebody who seems to be a really interesting character and a really interesting theory. Uh, you know, before it was revealed that Ben Kingsley was playing a character name um, that was an actor playing the Mandarin, he was absolutely terrifying in that movie. And then he's turned into a joke. And it's the same thing here for me with Quicksilver. It was great to see him. You were wondering what was going to happen. Is this going to be the first sign of somehow he got plucked from the multiverse and it's treated like a joke? Um, I don't know if maybe it wouldn't have been treated as much of a joke if his name again, I I can't believe we have to say this is his name, but his name was Ralph Boner. Um, Maybe I wouldn't have thought of it as much as a joke, but yeah, taking it at face value this part of the episode does really aggravate me for those reasons. So Rob, I'll let you close this part out. Cause I- I'm assuming this is what you're talking about that you hate this. Uh, Matt, you would assume correctly, sir. Uh, so Harrison was pretty nice with how he went on it. Matt was pretty straight <laughs> to the point uh, with, with how he discussed this. I'm just going to rain straight hate on it for a little bit. If that's okay <laughs> with everybody, I'm just sitting here in my office. I've got a glass full of haterade and I'm ready to drink it all because I'm actually pissed about this. Um, it's, it's so, I find it disrespectful to the audience. You throw this, cliffhanger out at the end of on a very special episode you know back in episode five they give us this crazy cliffhanger we all knew who evan peters is we all know he played quicksilver in the other version of this character so you bring him in you get everybody thinking about what that's going to mean how that's going to tie in how does this create you know more storylines and dr strange who else is coming through you do all this stuff then you have the Halloween episode where he's basically functioning. 
as Quicksilver, as her brother. They they have the kind of a little bit of a back and forth, and, and she kind of accepts that he's her brother, you know, but but not really. You know, what happened to your accident? Well, what happened to your accident? Your, your accent? You know, like they have that moment. They give him the super speed. They give him kind of the, the homemade version of the comic accurate uh, Quicksilver outfit. They do all this. They give him still super speed when he's when he's kind of acting as Agnes kind of thug. And then his name is Ralph Boner. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it just, um, it's pr- it's probably it's probably my least favorite thing that Marvel's done um, with their whole cinematic universe. I- I'm just gonna. I think I'll. Pr- I think I'm. I'm confident enough to say that. Yeah, the Mandarin twist that I'm using air quotes as, as big as I possibly can imply here was terrible, and this is also terrible. And there's really nobody that looks at Iron Man three and says, man, what a cool twist that was. Like you don't ever hear it being discussed that way. It's, <laughs> in most cases, everybody is, is doing the same thing you're saying, Matt, like, wow, what a waste, like what an absolute waste. And they repeated that same mistake here. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump in the same camp with you where, um, as we sit here today, this is what we know. We know that he was not actually, Pietro from the X-Men universe as we sit here today. That's what we believe that could change down the future. I don't necessarily believe that it will at this point. Um, I've been wrong about a lot of things with WandaVision, but it doesn't seem like necessarily that's what they intend. Um, It's a throwaway. Like if you're going to do that, what was the point of even adding Pietro to this show? Like not only casting this actor for this role, but what did you even need him for? he really didn't serve any real purpose that you could have had a different cliffhanger um, for the fifth episode. There really wasn't a whole lot that he needed to be there for. And it feels like it, I I kind of, I feel like my emotions are betrayed and I kind of feel like as a fan, that's somewhat disrespectful to me. I I think um, is, is, is the way that I'm looking at it. Yeah. um, I mean, don't forget too, like I, I kind of one thing and I'll I'll close my thoughts on this that kind of aggravated me a little bit more is the nod that they put in to X-Men Days of Future Past later in the episode um, when and I forget the kid's name when he goes to stop the guards. It's literally he takes the guy's hat. It's literally like the scene from Days of Future Past where Quicksilver runs around the room playing time in a bottle and he puts the cop's hat on. Um, You get that like little Easter egg back to that movie. And I'm like, Oh, don't reference the fact that he was in the, like, don't, don't double down on the fact that you know what you're doing. And then like slap me in the face. Like, Oh, so like having that Easter egg in there kind of aggravated me a little bit more, but that's, that's just me. Um, you know, I, I feel like Rob does, so to speak, that at face value, it's pretty disappointing. But there's there's still a lot of good with this episode. So I really would like to start talking about some of the good stuff. Unless, you know, Harrison, do you have anything else nitpicking wise that you want to get out of the way before? Uh, again, I, I don't want to bag on this episode because there's a lot here that I am emotionally invested in. So. I'll, I'll just say, Harrison, do you have anything else that we want to get out of the way with this? And, and let's move on to what we love about this episode. 
it's not necessarily one specific thing. It's just that I wish they would have fleshed everything out more. For example, the emotional... Um, sorry, let me start this sentence over. This is the most emotionally character-driven thing we've ever had in the MCU. There were attempts for this. Like We keep talking about Iron Man 3. That was an attempt at having a story focused around someone's emotional state of being, and it was a total fail, Like at least in that aspect. We can talk about the rest of it later. But, uh, <laughs> Do we have to, though? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so like the amount of work that went into me being emotionally involved in Wanda and Vision and also understanding both of them emotionally, mentally, all of those things is really significant and a strong step in a, a good direction for the MCU and is incredibly interesting and, <clears throat> excuse me, really creative. But there's other things that aren't taken up to that level. And, you know, you can't be firing on all cylinders all the time. I get that. But what I am disappointed is, is what, what was holding you back from making the episodes 20 minutes longer or 10 minutes longer and having these little details fleshed out a little bit more where the references were something besides just a reference. The amount of times that Agatha or Agnes referred to her, to her husband, uh, Ralph, and all the ways that it hinted at him being Mephisto, all the ways that things hinted at the multiverse. I'm sure we're going to get things for these to play out in the future. Maybe we're not. They were all just red herrings. But whether it's the complaints about Evan Peters or about the missing person or about the engineer or these little things that were really hinted at that the three of us spent hours talking about to just let those be more fleshed out or just let the things as a whole be more than like, okay, let me, let me sum it up in this one sentence and stop rambling. If you take out the emotional weight behind Wanda, this isn't a very good show. Uh, the last episode, the season as a whole, I was so invested in because of the emotional weight for Wanda and for Vision and what it meant. And it brought me to tears. It did. I mentioned that multiple times that I was really emotionally affected by the show. If that's not there, there's not much else to really hold it together. So I feel like the emotion behind it is a really strong glue holding all these weak pieces together. And I just wish that all of the pieces could be as strong as the glue, so to speak. Uh, but I will say that glue is so strong that it made this series as a, a whole really good and I really enjoyed it and I I really loved watching it it's just looking back now it's over and I can look back and look at it as a whole thing uh, it's just a little weak yeah uh, Rob I, I just want to jump in really quick uh, I will say yeah. I think that's a really good thought on that my, my last complaint that I will have is speaking of the emotion once you find out everything that's going to happen and you really kind of get an idea for how this is going to end the ending scene between Wanda and vision did not pack as much of an emotional punch as I feel it should. And I don't think there was any way you were going to convince somebody that vision will be gone for good. However, after they spent so much time building them up and getting them specifically for me. Cause I've talked about it uh, Two characters that I did not care about. Not only did I not care about their relationship, I really kind of did not care about them individually at all. I didn't think they were fleshed out all that well in the movies that they were a part of. So 
to get me as invested as I was in them, I didn't feel the emotional payoff of the goodbye, knowing what we know is still out there for vision. Um, that's, that's my last thing where it doesn't, it's not a huge problem for me, but I wish I would have felt more at these last moments, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but that's my last thing, Rob, what do you got? Um, a little bit of uh, a little smattering of everything we've kind of talked about. Um, but I kind of want to talk about sword and Tyler Hayward in, in general. Um, Throughout this series, their motives seem contradictory at times. Um, his specifically, uh, it kind of seems like he flips into villain mode based on when it's convenient for the plot or when the plot needs a villain to sort of show himself as opposed to like when you stop and ask yourself a question like, why exactly is he doing this? Oh, because mm-hmm. we, we need a dramatic moment. Like, why is he shooting at the kids right now? Like, that, that escalated quickly. Like, <laughs> you know, he, he just... It just starts shooting at kids. Like, who doesn't do that? Just, hey, yeah, this seems to not be going well. Time to pull out my gun and shoot at kids. Okay, well, why? Like, it, it just doesn't make sense, except that that's what you needed at that moment in time. And it, and it kind of seemed like that's what Monica Rambo's character needed to fully let us see what her, uh, you know, photon or, or spectrum or whatever she's going to go by. Um, she's, she's had some different names in the comics, you know, to kind of see what those powers look like. Um, it, just little things here and there. And then it's just like, okay, you're off to jail. Like, no, he probably wouldn't be like, that's, um, he really wouldn't be, he'd get out of it. Like, there's just so many things that just, I don't really understand what they were doing. I don't understand what he was doing at times. Um, he seemed very compelling and interesting at, at different parts of this, but then I just feel like the way they ended it with him, I, I just didn't really like, um, I also kind of nitpicky, but the way her accent just goes in and out all the time, like pick one, like just pick one. I don't know that maybe it's, maybe it's just me. Um, the final scene I actually, I kind of disagree with what Matt said a little bit. I I did find that to be quite emotional Um, with one caveat, man, that wall sure closes slow. Doesn't it? Like it seemed like it was going really fast across the rest of town. And then when they're getting ready to say goodbye to one another and we need this longer drawn out, like, you know, um, kissy huggy sort of tear jerky scene, that thing starts moving really, really slowly. Um, you know, um, and then, you know, knowing that the kids are going to kind of evaporate and disappear was kind of like, Hey, wait a second. No, I, I kind of need to know about that. Like that's, I'm a little more interested in that idea. And, and maybe it's just cause I am a dad. And then that, that part of it, you know, when they said goodnight to their kids, like, I was like, this is kind of messed up. Like, this is really kind of messed up. Like they know they're going to disappear and they're just tucking them into bed. And yeah, that was kind of messed up to me. Um, uh, and we get to watch vision die a third time. Like, yay. <laughs> you know, like, cause, cause who didn't ask for that? Um, you know, I guess those, I think that's probably my list of nitpicky stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I think all pretty good, solid points there, but let's, you know, let's get into the good. Cause again, uh, there's a lot to like about this episode and, first and foremost to me is the production of this episode. We get, you know, a vision versus vision fight. We get to see Wanda using her powers and there's certainly no skimping on the budget or the effects in this show. I I mean, 
to me, this was up on par and even better than some of the stuff we got in some of these Marvel movies. When Vision is fighting and they're flying around and they're phasing in and out of each other, throwing punches, it's all absolutely top notch. And I was just blown away with the production level. And it makes me even more excited for these other shows that seem like they'll be a little bit more action focused, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that, boy, they it's not they're like, well, we got to kind of hold back because, you know, we don't really have a budget like this isn't a TV network show. This is Disney saying, no, we're treating these like live action movies. So, uh, Harrison, I'll let you go first. What do you think about some of the production in this and some of the things I talked about? Yeah, something that really makes me appreciate this season, or I got to stop calling this season, the series as a whole, is that I remind myself this started in black and white as like a 50s sitcom. <laughs> that episode is the same one as the last, like the same series as the last one. We we traversed time and space of television. <laughs> and and uh, the production was top-notch in everything. And I... Yeah, that's all I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, what are your thoughts on, you know, how they, I mean, even as a whole, uh, the way that they treated this show, again, this is, this is not, uh, we're, we want to do it, but we're not going to go, you know, in terms of production, we're not going to go all out. There's nothing held back with this. Not at all. Um, You know, I think you talked about the CG and and the um, overall level of production that we got here. Um, It felt like this was another piece of the MCU. This did not feel like they were cutting the budget a little bit and cutting corners with some of the effects to, um, you know, save money because they didn't necessarily want to blow it out to the budget of, of, you know, an Avengers level film. Um, You know, the fight scene between Vision and Vision, which you know, one of the critiques that I and many others have of the MCU as a whole is that, man, there's a whole lot of people fighting other people with the exact same power set as them. And we kind of got that here too. You know, we had vision on vision. They're literally the same character. Uh, and then we had two <laughs> witches kind of battling back and forth. So, okay. Once again, we're right back with characters with the same power sets fighting each other. Um, but I really like the creativity that was used in the vision on vision fight. Um, you know, I think kind of my gold standard in the MCU for just absolutely wild creativity um, with how characters with these abilities or access to powers that do these kinds of things was was in Ant-Man. I just love the the growing and shrinking and, and the way that he, they used those um, those ideas and made compelling, interesting fights that was just more than kind of your some of your slapstick, you know, um, just basic punching and stuff like that that we get in, in other action films. Uh, there was real creativity with that. And, and I saw that also here, you know, if a character could phase in and out um, and had the ability to fly and had the ability to do some of these things, what would that actually look like? And I thought it was done spectacularly. Yeah. Uh, I was a, a huge fan of, you know, the vision fight scenes also too. I thought, you know, this was another episode as it progressed with Wanda, she became more and more confident in her abilities. You start to see it on her face. I love the part where she disappears and sneaks up behind and she does the mind control thing, uh, similar to age of Ultron when she takes over the Avengers 
I love that aspect. And I loved the progression for her throughout this episode. And I sent you guys a picture of it, but when she goes full Scarlet Witch mode, wow. Um, This is to me, one of the best costumes in the MCU. Like I'm absolutely stunned by the costume that they have for Wanda. I thought it was fantastic. I didn't know what to expect for it, but I'm just blown away by it. Rob, what are your thoughts on on her in this episode? Yeah, um, I, I love the moment where she kind of really assumes that mantle and we get what I would call perhaps a more like practical and modest version of the comic version of her of her costume, which is um, you know, the, the comic version bears a lot of skin, which doesn't necessarily always translate the film very well, nor should it all the time. Um, <laughs> just, you know, is what it is. Like, I don't know that we necessarily need that. You know, we're trying to get families to watch this together. Um, but, uh, no, it, it looked fantastic. And I, uh, I was really excited to see what they had done with it. Um, and I, and I'm happy to see that they're hopefully going to continue that. You know, we saw another glimpse of it at the end credit scene. Um, but man, when she puts those runes up in the, in the sky, you know, it, it seemed kind of obvious to me that she was missing on purpose. Um, and I wasn't sure what that was. Like I, I didn't necessarily put two and two together that it was for the runes. Uh, but when she kind of, um, you know, re- shows her final, like, put that final piece in emotion and just makes checkmate. Um, what a phenomenal mic drop moment that is. It's just like click boom. And it's, it was just awesome. I mean, I was like jumping up off my couch, like fist pumping in the air. I was so excited about that moment. Um, it, it was, it, you know, it showed one, it can be uh, vulnerable. It showed one, it can be loving. It showed one, it can be a lot of things. It also showed Wanda can be a friggin' badass too. And moving forward, the character that Matt, I, you know, I agree with you. I didn't really particularly care that much about her um, in previous uh, films that we'd seen her in. I want to see her in everything. I want, I want to see Wanda in every Avengers film moving forward. I want to see her cross over into as many things as we can get. Uh, I want to see more of, of what's going to happen next with this character. Yeah. Harrison, your, your thoughts on Wanda. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything that you guys said. I uh, Earlier when you asked me about the production, I was thinking about so many things, so I just kind of like had a brief comment. But I, I got to say that it, this show has done a lot, and one thing that it has done phenomenally well is the costuming. And I, I just want to touch on that one more time, because I think it's just great, everything they've done with that. But also, just to kind of echo everything you guys have said, you guys have said, to make... Uh, you know, like we, we can kind of nitpick and say, oh, it's, you know, a hero and a villain with the same powers fighting each other. But to make those exciting and to make them interesting and to make them kind of unique and something more than just like a blast battle, so to speak, I, I really enjoyed it. And I was really impressed with it. And I, I remember watching when, when Agatha goes like user magic and it doesn't work and the runes appear. I was like, Oh, dang, that was sweet. Like, it's just like the way that these things escalate my appreciation for Wanda as a character. I, I had no idea. When I pressed play on episode one and I saw that black and white 50s sitcom, did I know that at the end of the series I was going to be really involved in Wanda? 
no clue. I, I had no idea. I was excited to get a House of M adaptation and to get the multiverse. Uh, we got a loose House of M adaptation, which, again, props to them for adapting such an iconic story so well to existing characters. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. I wanted the multiverse. Like, that's all I cared. Like, forget WandaVision. What I want from WandaVision is the multiverse. Well, we haven't gotten the multiverse yet, but what I got is a huge, huge appreciation for Wanda and Vision emotionally as individuals, as people who uh, really are kind of broken, but also appreciation as, like, a hero who can get up and just be a total boss and own a battle. Uh, I had no idea. Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of talked about, too, where there's some things left unanswered but one of the things that works being left unanswered because she's so intriguing now is Wanda. And one of the lines that like piques my interest in this show is Agatha talking to her. And I'm probably not going to get this line exactly right, but she says like powerful enough to destroy the sorcerer Supreme. Uh, anybody who's watched, you know, the MCU knows that the source of Supreme is Dr. Strange. WandaVision will be in Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. But the simple fact that it's mentioned that like she can destroy him and is more powerful. Well, what does that mean? Like, are, are we going to see the two of them fight each other? It like, Oh, you took a character that again, I, I cannot stress this enough. I didn't care about at all. And now you've made her one of like my number one intriguing options going forward with, well, is she just, is she always an, like an overarching problem in the MCU going forward? Cause at any moment she could snap because she's still probably very broken. Um, it's not like this season ends with a, everything's tied up in a bow and Wanda's great. Uh, the end credit scene surely shows that everything is not okay and there might be more trouble on the horizon, but man, have they made her just incredibly interesting to me. So, you know, uh, Rob, anything you want to piggyback off of with that? Yeah. Um, I kind of want to go a little bit further on something you started to allude to um, for the future of the MCU. Is Wanda going to be a hero? Is she going to be a villain? Is she going to be somebody who sets things in motion uh, that other characters now have to respond to or deal with because she's, she's pursuing uh, her own um, interests that might ne not necessarily line up with others' interests. Um, I, I think that we could see a little bit of both. Um Certainly, uh, uh, on I think it's the 47th or 48th end credit scene. I can't remember which one it was, um, but uh, we we see her, um, you know, researching something in that little uh, you know valley cabin she built for herself, um, and we hear the kids saying, "Mom, um, mom, help us, you know, rescue us," or, or something along those lines. Um, so you have every reason to believe she's trying to figure out how to do that. Um, what she's going to be messing with in order to get there, um, whether or not they adapt the actual genesis of those characters from the comics where like they're forged out of a piece of Mephisto's soul, which is going to get like really, really out there. Um, I, as much as I didn't think that um, Agatha Harkness was going to be in this show initially. And I, and I kind of stood uh, pretty firmly and said, I don't think that's a thing. I think they're going to probably be, you know, they don't want to get too supernatural. I don't think we're going to really get Mephisto. I think there's maybe still a limit, even though we did get Agatha, I was completely wrong on that. Um, 
I'm not, I'm just not necessarily convinced. Maybe we see Mephisto and Ghost Rider because um, we are still supposed to get that, I, I think. Um, I, I'm not necessarily sure that we're going to really start getting into like pieces of soul forming children level territory in, in the MCU. But I, so I think they'll adapt that differently. Um, but something she's going to try to do uh, to get her kids back uh, could certainly lead to events in the multiverse of madness. Yeah. Harrison, uh, anything you want to follow up with on that? Yeah, there, there's actually a, a big thing that I want to mention is to compare, not to compare, but to tell Wanda that her powers exceeds that of the, of the Sorcerer Supreme. All right. So this is the guy who not even at like his peak ability saw 14 million potential futures single-handedly fought Thanos pretty well on his own uh, and kind of like master plan the whole successful end battle of Endgame on top of just working like epic looking spells and being a genius Wanda's powers exceeds his like that's incredible I hope that they, we, they just capitalize on that instead of just getting red glowy beams shooting out everywhere we get some of the great style that we got with Doctor Strange and uh, Wanda's vision did I just say Wanda's vision? Oh my gosh, Wanda's <laughs> powers can start to become a little bit more uh, fleshed out, which I'm super excited about. So yeah, uh, something that I thought about that I don't talk about very much, but uh, when you were talking about, oh, what's the deal with Wanda? If she, if she could snap at any moment and become a villain, I think about this frequently. Uh, when in Endgame, when Carol Danvers or Captain Marvel shows up and just wrecks day, which is a sweet scene. I love that moment. It makes me clap. But when that happens and she just destroys Thanos' ship and then pretty much single-handedly fights Thanos until he cheats with a Power Stone, like, in my head after, I was like, oh, okay, I don't even care if she's OP. Like, just fix it later. Because mm -hmm. in that moment, she's really is just kind of like, geez, how do you have a threat after that um, <laughs> without it being another Thanos? So thinking about all of that, where was I going? I have too many thoughts. Oh, okay. So Wanda is now supposedly up there in like OP level. How are you going to have villains that are threatening if these characters are this powerful? One, there's part of it that they're learning their powers and, and growing into them. But the second thing is I hope that it's a kind of a continuation of what we got in WandaVision where the threat isn't so much a villain, but it's and their, their physical presence or physical dominance that you have to win in a fight, but more of like a, an emotional or intellectual battle like Wanda had in the series where things, emotional lines are great. I'm thinking like Civil War and Civil War II comics, specifically Civil War II, where it's not so much a fight of, you know, physical presence or dominance or power, but it is of intellect and emotion and reason because uh, that's threatening and that's menacing. If we can get villains that challenge these physically overpowered characters, which we're getting more and more of, um, and challenge them in a unique way, I'm I'm really excited for. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. I think this show, you know, showcased that you don't have to have huge battles to make it interesting. Uh, there's a lot of emotional weight behind this series and. You know, one of those emotional weight scenes, Rob, I know from talking to you, you really love this. So I will let you kick it off. You love the dialogue between Vision and Vision when the fighting stops. Um, you're a big fan of that. So 
you mind kind of talking us through your thoughts on that? Yeah, so we get something kind of different. Normally, when uh, good guys fight the bad guys in these kinds of things, there's uh, there's a lot of explosions. There's a lot of you know, there's pretty much no wall made out of concrete that's safe because it's going to get a person thrown through it. Like you're just guaranteed that that's going to happen. Anything breakable in the room is going to get shattered, destroyed. Um, you know, property values in the area are definitely going to fall because uh, the insurance adjuster is going to be very, very busy for, for days after, you know, these guys fight. Um, but right in the middle, they make a choice to, instead of vision defeating vision um, by punches or powers or beams or energy or, or any of these other things, um, they actually have him defeat him uh, through logic and, and through reasoning. And to really, ha- and it works, it, it works incredibly for both of them. Um, there's a reason why, you know, the colorful vision um, says what he says. And there's a reason the white vision listens and chooses to allow him the opportunity um, with, with the whole ship of Theseus discussion, which is one of those really fun thought experiments. There's a bunch of them out there. If you ever get time to research thought experiments, um, they're, they're one of those ones that like, I wouldn't say start doing it right before you go to bed because you'll be up staring at the ceiling all night trying to figure them out. Like maybe do it on lunch. Like don't do it at night because you'll be you'll be done. Like you'll be like, oh my god, why did I do that? Um, but the ship of Theseus is a good one, um, and, and uh, for him to throw it out there and it works perfectly and it and it kind of causes him to short circuit just temporarily enough for him to say, "May I?" and he asks permission, and the white vision gives him permission to to do it, and it just. Everything about that scene from the moment they start the conversation till the end of it um, works. Every detail, every shot, every piece of dialogue, every decision works. Um, I love it. It's just, it's one of my favorite scenes of this whole series. Harrison, what are your thoughts on this, this part of the episode? Cause it is different. Um, it's interesting for a fight to just break down to a conversation immediately so what are your thoughts uh well first i've been thinking about the ship of theseus quite a while now uh luckily not staring up to the ceiling at night but i think about it frequently (laughs) and uh specifically in uh where the heck did white vision go and when is he coming back because uh, i want more of him especially to see what someone with vision's memories but not the mind stone is going to become uh, but that's a whole other question that you didn't ask. So what I do think about that moment is that, uh, kind of like I said earlier, I think it's great to, as much as I thought it was really cool to see the two visions use their powers against each other in a u- unique way, like one of them phasing and catching the other's punch in his arm and then throwing him you know, with his hand in his arm, th- that type of thing. That was really cool, but it kind of got boring because it looked kind of cartoony, like, oh, there's just these like guys who, first, props to the VFX people to making these people not look like they're flying, but they're people who are adjusting their density and floating around, so to speak, through ad- adjusting their density. I mean, that was sweet to see. It, they really capture that. But it, it can get boring uh, really quickly. And so to, to slow that down and have it be a, a battle that's consistent with the character of Vision was sweet. And I, I had no idea. I did not expect it. I thought they were going to punch each other till the live long day. One of their brains fell out. But we didn't get that. One of their brains exploded <laughs> into memories, and then he disappeared. So <laughs> I prefer this because I I think that it's uh, uh I'm, I'm I don't have a th- this isn't the right word, but it's the word that's coming to mind. It, it's challenging 
to the cons. Yeah, there we go. It's challenging to the concepts that we're used to as far as a fight goes. And uh, I hope we get more of that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm super excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier and explosions and people punching each other at full speed. But, you know, I, I like a challenge here and there. Yeah, I think that's incredibly well put. I I certainly like this. I I wasn't really a fan of it during my first watch through. And not that I didn't like it, but I, I had a much better understanding and appreciation for it on my second watch through of wow, this is so much different than what we're used to. And in terms of why this character would do this, it you know it just makes so much sense for talking about some things like well why did you do that that didn't make sense or like why did you not take this opportunity you know this is something that when you break it down it makes sense why this happened between these two characters so i loved it i thought it was a great scene it did pack emotion for me and again like getting back to emotion this is backtracking but when agatha turns the people of Westview off, so to speak, and they're back to their own reality. When they start approaching Wanda, wow, like you get again for a moment, like, yeah, she did have, you know, she did create this. Like she's kept these people captive. And when is it, uh, Rob, is it Dottie? Or who's, who's the girl that comes up to her and talks about her daughter? I'm drawing an absolute blank of her character's name. Yep, it's Dottie. She was uh, yeah. kind of the uh, the um, HOA kind of ringleader um, or the PTA, I think, president or whatever it was from the second episode. It, if you've forgotten about her by now, um, I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, so Dottie, but when she comes up to her and just says, I have a girl, you know, if if she could be friends with your boys, uh, if that works for you, or like if you would just like let her out of her room, please. Uh you know, it didn't turn me in like, oh, God, like, Wanda, you're such a, you know, you're such a jerk. Like, how could you have done this? But, man, it's, again, it's so impactful to sit there and once again just be kind of punched with the fact of, yeah, there's probably still, regardless of how this ended, there should still be a lot for Wanda to answer for. And, again, she seems like she's okay with it at the end of the episode, but... I don't know how you could just forget everything that you did, even though these people are now free. She really messed with a lot. And I thought that scene was fantastic. It, it once again showed you the weight of what she's done to these people. Because again, as far as we know, the people of Westview and Harrison, I'll go to you first. So correct me if I'm wrong here they still know what happened. Like they understand where they were. So it's not like Wanda's just scot free to me and in, inside of her own mind, so to speak. Yeah. I, I've actually been thinking about that a lot. Like when she closed the barriers to the, the hex, did she like wipe the memories? Probably not. Uh, so does that, that kind of gives her reason to be viewed as a villain more, so that could drive some motivating things. Uh, yeah, I, I think that also in terms of the future of the MCU, their perception of Wanda is never going to be the same. Whether the people in Westview remember it or not, Sword definitely remembers it. 
people like Darcy and uh, Agent Wu, they definitely remember it. So they're not just going to let Wanda uh, float around like she owns a place because she can cause some problems. But at the same time, they also saw Wanda as a person of reason. How to quote Monica: "When you may, if she's a problem, she has to be the solution." When you really do think about that, they know whose side she's on ultimately. So yeah, it was a very interesting scene that carries a lot more weight than I really appreciated in that first moment because uh, I think that Wanda is going to continue to deal with her own trauma, but part of that trauma is going to be what she did to other people. Yeah, I mean, Rob, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, she does have her Thanos-like retirement home out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, she does. It seems when she kind of uh, uh, pulls her hoodie up and starts walking away, it does kind of seem like she starts to process um, what it is that she's actually caused. Um, we've spent a lot of time uh, through our recaps of this show talking about, you know, her emotional state and her, her post-traumatic post-traumatic stress that she's experiencing from all these terrible tragedies that have happened in her life. Uh, I want to shift for just a second. Let's talk about the people of Westview. Um, what kind of therapy are literally every resident of this town going to need? Um, you think about, you know, they were not in control of their own actions. You know, they were not able to comprehend where their loved ones were. Um, None of them, when they kind of break out of that, you think about when I think it's Norm gets, uh, not Norm, uh, one, one of Vision's coworkers, when he pulls him out and he's like, I got to get my phone. I got to call my sister. I got to check on my mom. You know, he's panicking. He's having some serious issues, um, not being in control of your own actions and being forced to kind of live a, a fake alternate life. Um, that's going to mess up a lot of people in this town um, for a very long time. Um and it's kind of interesting to think about what that could what that could turn into as we sort of try to decide uh, will Wanda be how will she be thought of in the future? Will she be a villain? Will she be a hero? Will they ultimately appreciate her when she shows up to take down a big bad that nobody else could have been able to do, or will it be a mixed bag? I, I think they're kind of setting it up to be a mixed bag for her. Yeah, I, I think that you know you could certainly sit there and be like, okay, well she realized her mistake but you know if the end credit scene shows us anything rob you mentioned it she's you know a la dr strange when he's in his movie physically sleeping but he's projecting himself to study uh we get that as the end credit scene she's making tea and her scarlet witch form is in the other room you know going through the, and studying the dark hold but you hear that cry out from her kids. So we've already seen what she's willing to do when she loses somebody. Well, if she thinks she can somehow get her kids back after them being wiped away, you know, to me, anybody who knows of these events, that's if they get wind of this, that's another sign to be fearful of Wanda because, okay, you, you made right Westview, but now you're in the same situation. So do we have to come after you to ensure that you're not going to do this again? Uh, there's a lot there. But one thing that I want to piggyback on really quick too with that is, Rob, when you and I did our MCU rankings, uh, one thing that I talked about in Endgame that I did not like at all is how they treated Thor. And uh, to me, hats off to Marvel because in Endgame, Thor's just emotionally 
destroyed and it's treated like a joke. This guy clearly has post-traumatic stress and everybody makes a joke out of it. And that was one thing that I said in Endgame that like I could just that I did not care for. Um, but man, Marvel knocked it out of the park with showing somebody dealing with this kind of trauma and how that can affect them. And I again, like Harrison said, I'm I'm not always hoping for these big, you know, rock'em sock'em robot fights in the MCU because part of what made this show so great is the emotional journey and trauma that you saw these characters going through. So I just want to throw a quick shout out that they took that route with this because we've certainly seen them go the other way to the point where I just was really thrown off by how they treated Thor in Endgame. So I really liked that they used this with Wanda for this show. So I just want to throw that out there. I got to agree with you if I can jump in here super quick, because in that uh, that's a, a, a difficult line to stick to, so to speak, is, is you can teeter either way. Um, and I, I just want to add in there, like House of M as a comic is really famous for a reason. And I something that I just keep thinking about was that this series is an adaptation of an iconic storyline that is also fitting to characters that are pre-existing within a different uh, universe, specifically the MCU. And to be able to adapt something and make it so unique and fitting these characters and so emotional, I'm just really impressed. Like when I, I've commented in the past podcast that there was a few episodes that really brought me to tears for Wanda and I did not care for her at all. I found her annoying as a character and it was tons of fun to see both Elizabeth Olsen's and Paul Bettany's range emotionally uh, and how great it was. Like my emotions were just totally manipulated. They could have just ripped my heartstrings right out at that end, uh, which they held back a little bit, which I appreciate. Uh, and so do my tear ducts. But <laughs> I, I was not expecting any of this again to say this when, when I clicked play on the very first WandaVision episode, I had some ideas and every single week when I came back, I had my master plan of what I thought the episode was going to be. And every single week I was just impressed with what we were getting as an adaptation of an iconic story and what it meant for Wanda and the, and just the uniqueness of this uh, and almost like the rarity in this type of genre. You know, we, we had our complaints in the beginning, but when was the last time that we got something that was so uh, on it? Uh, uh, what's the word I'm searching for? So un- atypical. That's the word. So uh, character focused in the MCU uh, and, and so well, you know, cause we can talk about Iron Man 3 again to bring that dark horse up. That was an attempt at character focus uh, that fell flat on his face, went right over the handlebars. So it, I just, I got to take my hats off to Marvel. That they, they've come a long way. You know, still some things can improve, but I, I like the direction that we're heading because if we can get more of this, I'm just going to be involved even more because there, there comes a point where the Rock'em Sock'em Robots, as fun as it is, uh, how can you uh, reiterate that over and over? I, we had 23 reiterations of it. Let's move on to something new. Yeah, Rob. Um, you know, I probably have some thoughts on some of those things that were just said. Uh, w- what do you got for some of those thoughts? Yeah. Um, it, I think one of the things that I immediately come to as we're talking about the overall quality of this series and the time they're able to take to tell a story and build more development into characters that previously really had none. Um, 
I don't remember, Matt, if it was the MCU rundown show that we did or if I had talked about it uh, on this uh, on this show's recap. Um, but I really wish that we would have not gotten Civil War as a film, but we would have gotten it as a, a series, you know, a nine to ten episode series. Because, man, if they would have really adapted uh, more of the major events of what happened in the, the comic run of Civil War... Um, you know, really focusing on Tony and and Steve's kind of struggle um, with what they were having to do and their motivations for it. Um, even in a movie as long as Civil War, um, you know, there still was not a, a, enough time spent, I think, developing um, what they were feeling emotionally about why they felt so strongly about their opinion of sign the accords or don't sign the accords. And then all of a sudden when they had to meet one another, um, there was so much more that could have been done. I would have loved to have seen the same care given to this show, uh, given to that storyline. So um, look for the future. Yeah. Keep giving me rope, keep giving me the movies, you know, keep giving me, um, you know, as many films as I can get, but I, I would really love to see some of those really iconic longer pieces of, of comic book history done more as, as a show uh, where we can spend the time with it that we need to. I, it makes me very excited for what Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to look like. Um, Cause look in the, in the, in the movies there's sometimes I do want a little more, uh, but sometimes like if it's a Hulk movie, I don't really need them talking to one another. I can just kind of want them blowing each other up. Like I just want them smashing and everything to explode <laughs> around them. Like that's what I want from a Hulk film. Um, but at other times when you've got the chance to give me something like this, um, you know, in a, in a Dr. Strange movie, I want something a little bit slick where he tricks Dormammu with the sort of the time loop that he creates. Like I want something like that in that film, um, you know, know when to give me what I want. And in some cases, like we've said with WandaVision, we didn't even know that this is what we wanted and it gave it to us uh, in a way that we never knew to even ask for. Yeah. Uh, that's very well said. So, you know, I, th- I think what I want to ask you guys next is we want to talk about, obviously, this is the end of WandaVision here. Um, and we want to talk about, you know, some of our favorite episodes, some of our least favorite episodes, what we think as, you know, a whole of the show overall. But really, with everything that we've talked about and we've gone over the bad and we've we've gone over the good, you know, Harrison anything on this episode particularly that you feel that we haven't touched on from your point of view that you still want to point out before we kind of move into another segment here of starting to really talk about the big picture. Yeah. Let me double check here. I'm pulling up my notes here on my phone and just reading over them here. Um, Oh yeah. Monica, Monica Rambo and uh, spectrum or whatever she's going to be called. uh, She's great. I want can she be in everything from now on? <laughs> I I love her as a character, and she had like thirty minutes of screen time for this entire series. Uh, and every moment that she was in uh, was phenomenal. She she stole my heart, uh, and I really rooted for her. That moment. Uh, so to take a character that we saw as like a nine or ten year old in Captain Marvel, and then like that's it, and to have me like totally cheering her on when she's breaking through the hex barrier and when she gains her power and having those voices play in her head like uh i I don't know what it is i think it was partly the actress's uh performance i think her name is tiana paris if i said that wrong i apologize but 
and, and the characterization that she had in this series, when she was breaking through that barrier, I was clapping and cheering like, yeah, you got this, Monica. Like, like good for you. Uh, again, go, bringing it back to those emotional battles, so to speak. Uh, but uh, seeing her powers is super cool. Seeing her jump in front of a bolt to save some kids. Seeing her be able to absorb kinetic energy and how it just kind of like shows it without it like really spelling out both for, absorbing them from a bullet and also from Wanda to seeing things through her her, her her power site or whatever you want to call it. Uh, what a great uh, character to come out of this series because she's awesome and I can't wait to get more of her. And I know nothing about her from the comics. I had to research her because of this show. Um, but for somebody who had such a small part to just totally gain so much interest, what a great character to come out of this series. Rob, same question to you. Um, you know, what do you, what do you kind of have left about this episode that you maybe feel we haven't touched on? Um, I do want to talk about real quick, the neat little nod to the wizard of Oz towards the beginning of this, when, uh, Agatha kind of leaves her boots, uh, under the, uh, the car when it, when Wanda gets thrown out, I just kind of thought that was neat. You know, she's a witch herself. I, um, I did sort of like that. Um, you know, the one th- other part of this that we didn't really get a chance to talk about, um, as, as Wanda's opening and closing the hex and, and allowing real reality to, to creep in on her reality. Um, it, it kind of got me a little bit watching the kids and that version of vision sort of get dusted a little bit. Um, that, that was really well done. That scene, just the, the weight behind it and um, what we were hoping that she was going to be able to accomplish, but knowing what she ultimately had to do. Um, I don't think we gave that a, an opportunity to call it out uh, for how well um, that was done. Yeah. I, so I really liked the version with the kids, Rob, you mentioned it, you know, in the beginning, like, boy, that was kind of messed up. They kind of just say goodnight to them, but they know they're going like, they know they're not going to be there anymore. But I think it, I think it also spoke to the fact that Wanda was aware that she couldn't hold on to this anymore. So I thought it did show character development, Uh, Like I said, I still kind of stand by my point of, you know, at least for me, knowing that we have the other vision out there with all of the memories of Wanda and vision, some of the final moments with Wanda and vision fell flat for me because of the fact that I was like, well, there's one out there that knows everything that they went through together. So essentially she's not really losing him. Um, and I don't know why I just, for some reason that didn't have as much emotional weight, but Rob, like you said, you know, you're a dad, I'm a dad and, you know, sitting there and having them just say, uh, yeah, like I kind of don't even want to talk about it. Cause I can't imagine saying, you know, I'm sure you couldn't either like saying goodnight to your kids and knowing that's the last time that you would ever say goodnight to them. Like, how do you do that? Um, so that was a that scene right there was a ton of emotional weight. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have left the room. <laughs> like I wouldn't have gone downstairs to say goodbye to my made up spouse. Um, right. that, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I would have done that a little differently. So, um, you know, Harrison, I I don't know if I and forgive me, but 
what were your thoughts on those two, you know, those two goodbyes? Did did that work for you with Wanda and Vision? I I'm sorry if you did say that earlier in the episode. Uh I think I just kind of talked on how it made me like just the end in general made me emotional. Uh, yeah, I I wanted to bring up those moments as well. Uh, specifically Paul Bettany. I, I don't know. He just really drew me in. I, I don't have any kids uh, yet. I plan to, but don't have any yet. So I don't think that the, the involvement of the kids had the same weight to me. Like I could recognize like, well, that's awful. They're saying goodbye for the last time. Uh, but of course, not having that experience I, or, or something to relate to, I, I don't have that uh, the way that you guys do. But what I do have is a, like a very sincere relationship with my wife. That's like the focus of my life right now. So saying goodbye to like bait up kids is no big deal. Cause I say goodbye to my nieces and nephews <laughs> all the time, but like saying goodbye to my wife was like torture. Uh, so that, that scene with Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen at the end, when vision turns back on the light, I just, I lost it. Like I just started to cry and then I just cried the more and more they talked. And uh, whether he comes back or not, I was just because so so something that I'll I'll share. So something about me is that when I was uh, my wife and I, we went we went, met in uh, high school. We dated each other in high school our, our senior year uh, and both as part of the church that we're members of. We went on a mission. And, it, and when you do that in our church, for me, it was two years. For her, it was a year and a half. You say goodbye to everybody like you don't have any contact with your family like you do you email them once a week but it's not like pick up the phone and talk to them it's your life is totally different um and so we were dating and we were leaving and it was kind of like okay we really like each other but we're leaving and we're only 18 we're gonna come back and maybe we'll date each other and maybe we'll get married but honestly we have no idea what happens if in two years we don't like each other and so like saying goodbye to someone and hoping that they might be back but appreciating what you had is something that like really I relate to because I've experienced that. And so I think that that moment that I'm finally putting together right now, I think that's why I was so impacted by that. Uh, Cause I, I know what it's like to be vision in that situation. Uh, and it really moved me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's some really good points. You know, it, it shows that we all have different reasons why we could relate to certain things in that scene. And, I think, again, that's just one really great part of this show is there's a lot of different moments that different people can relate to. You know, obviously, Rob and I talked about relating to the fact of the kids and, you know, you're relating to the fact of, you know, you said goodbye to, you know, at the time she wasn't your wife, but somebody that, you know, was a part of your life. And, well, maybe I'll see you like that's weird. Like I'm saying goodbye to maybe see you again. So, you know, this show did a really good job. It, you, you said it really well, Harrison, that there is, you know, there's a, a glue with this show that is incredibly strong. Um, that holds a lot together. And it was a, a great refresher to see something that was carried by emotion and not strictly action. So uh, Rob, any final thoughts on that? Uh, no, no, I think we're ready to move on. All right. So guys, we want to talk about this show as a whole. And I, I think starting with Rob, what would you say is your, your best episode of this show in general? We got nine of them. 
Uh, some of them were really good. Uh, some of them you look back on and mm, who knows, maybe we, we don't know until a complete second watch through if we get through one of those, but what would you say your favorite episode is of this series? You know, for me, it's uh, episode seven, Breaking the Fourth Wall, uh, the one that's kind of a, a mid to late 2000 setting that, that takes some real, um, you know, Malcolm in the Middle influences, some some influences of uh, of The Office. Um, I'm sorry, that's not the Malcolm in the Middle. It's, it's the one that's more like Modern Family in The Office. Um, but there was, there was enough um, answers that we got. There was enough intrigue that was laid um, that... Um, I, I just, I loved almost everything about it. We get the reveal of Agatha at the end. Um, we get the, the whole spinoff kind of feel to Agatha all along. Um, and uh, I, I loved that episode from start to finish. All right. Uh, Harrison, your, your favorite episode of this. Yeah, I'm having a hard time picking. What I did real quickly while you guys were talking is I went to Disney Plus on my phone and just scrolled through all the episodes and kind of looked at the, the little previews ahead. Now I'm scrolling through some sods I, ha- I had written down for each one. Uh, and this is the one that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say. It's episode eight. It's called Previously On. And it's the one that I think could definitely be the weakest uh, episode because it kind of just felt like uh, Agatha revealing herself and then taking us through Wanda's life and then spelling it out for the people who couldn't put it together. <laughs> like that's kind of a dumb way to say it, but that's a lot what it was. It's like, okay, let's go to Wanda's past. Let's explain how it's led us to here. We are, and let's have Agatha explain to the people who can't put it together. What's happening. Uh, so like kind of like dumbing it down, but for whatever reason, that was the point where I knew no matter what happened, this was, a five star series for me, five out of five, so to speak, because I was just so in love with this being totally about Wanda and her emotional state and how it led us to where we are. And on top of that, I just was broken like a twig when Wanda drove in her Buick to Westview and saw an empty house lot that vision wrote on a map for us to grow old together. And maybe it's just because I'm, I'm relatively long, young. I've only been married for a few year, years, and I'm very in love with my wife. And so that's like a big part of my life is, is romance. And that it just, it just broke me like a twig. And I think of that episode in great fondness uh, because it made me love Wanda. Now, I wrote in my final review of this series that the saddest thing for me is I'm sad it's over for Wanda. I'm not so sad that it's over for me, but I'm sad it's over for Wanda. And it really was episode eight that did that for me. Okay. Uh, I have to say that my favorite episode for this series to me is episode five. And that is titled on a very special episode. And it's not because, you know, not even looking back, well, looking forward to where we are now. Um, obviously, that's the episode, if people remember, where we get Quicksilver at the end of the episode. But for me, it was everything that led up to that. That was really the first real, real chinks in the armor between Wanda and Vision. And there was so much emotion in that episode for me personally, especially when you know Vision, who never ever in anything that we've seen him in gets emotional, raises his voice, does anything literally yells at Wanda. Um, 
to stop lying to him because he knows something's going on. And he's like, there's people here that you're keeping hostage. Um, I love that episode. It was incredible to me. I look back on that one extremely uh, with, with fond memories. So for me, episode five is my favorite episode of this series, but I mean, there's so many really, really great episodes. So, is that the one where she tried to roll the credits on Vision? Yes. Oh, that's a great episode. Yeah, good pick. Both of you guys are good picks. Yeah. Hearing you guys talking, I was like, oh, I should have picked that one. But it's just like <laughs> a testament to how good this entire series was. No take backs, Harrison. You already said your answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that kid in like second grade who wants to change his answer. Um, Oh man, you got that prize. I want that. Yeah. It's, like- it's like show and tell. Like, like I'm that, I don't know if you had that kid in third grade. Cause I specifically remember in third grade, like this kid, he'd bring something for show and tell and someone else would bring someone else and like one up him. And he'd ask the teacher to be able to present a kid. <laughs> That's what I feel like right now. Um, so what would be Harrison? I'll let you go first on this one. What is your least favorite episode of this series? Uh, yeah, let me scroll through here again. Um, let me let me double check. I think I know, but uh, I'm gonna go with episode two um, because I think that it should have just been part of episode one and been longer. Like they did the double release. Why not just make it one episode? Uh, and just cause I like, I hardly remember anything to happen in that episode, except for that their beds scooted together. Like that's how I remember. <laughs> uh, uh, so I mean, great introduction, really, really strong introduction to the show. But I think that episode two isn't good without episode one. But then again, it's been a few weeks since I watched episode two or episode one. But again, if I can't remember it, it's default, the least favorite. Gotcha. Rob, I'll let you cap this part of it off. So uh, I'll jump in with, for me, it was episode three because we talked about it in our review. That was the episode where I was like, okay, episodes one and two, I can understand the slow build. We're trying to figure out what this show was. Uh, Episode three felt like the hardest episode to get through because it was three episodes of the same thing and we said it on the show but i remember you know at the end of that episode going boy if something does not happen here in episode four i'm a little nervous for this show um so i just remember looking back at that episode and going Whew, this is this one's pretty rough to get through here. Um, I feel like for me, that one, like one, two, and three could have been combined into just one whole thing. You know, Harrison, you're saying, like, why not just do one and two? I, I felt like one, two, and three really could have just been one whole thing. So for me, episode three was the weakest of this series. Um, Rob, where do you stand? Uh, Madam with you episode three, um, at the, at the time when we reviewed it, um, on uh, Mondays with Maximoff, um, I, I just kept referring and thinking back to, uh, Monty Python, just get on with it. You know, like, okay, we get it. She's got trauma. <laughs> she created this fake world to live in so that she could deal with it. And she's trying to make everything I, you know, this idyllic version of it. And we're going through TV history. Like, okay, we get it. Let's, 
let's see something already. And and we do get it when Geraldine gets booted out uh, out of the hex and is surrounded by the sword agents. We we start to get. Um, you know, when she mentions Pietro for the first time and, um, you know, we, we get a little bit of it there, but, um, you know, it, it was definitely a slow build. And, and I know that it's, it's been kind of, uh, of popular online to make fun of people who complained early on, um, that this show had a very slow build and, and kind of didn't do a whole lot for a few weeks. Um, but I think it's a valid criticism. I really do. Um, in terms of what I rewatch this series or not, um, if I did, I would probably skip episode three mostly because there's not a whole lot you really need there. Um, I don't know if I would ever actually rewatch this unless I was doing like just a complete MCU rerun through from start to finish and you have to include everything. Um, you know, then I, then I would, but the, um, the setup of Pietro not being really who we were hoping that he was or led to believe that he was is such a betrayal. Um, not necessarily on the same level as the last two episodes of game of Thrones, which spoiler alert for anybody who's not gotten all the way through, but the last two just completely ruined the series. Like you don't know anybody who's rewatched it during the quarantine. Like when we were all shut down and nobody was going to work and everybody was stuck at home. Like, I don't know anybody that said, Hey, I'm going to rewatch game of Thrones because the last two episodes completely ruined that whole series uh, for something that everybody was building up and building up and became one of the most iconic pieces of pop culture for that period of time that everybody was talking about. Um, I'm not quite there with the level of betrayal that I feel with the uh, fake Pietro kind of twist on a twist. Um, but I'm not far behind either. It's probably my, my second, you know, you know, worst kind of, of twist uh, or worst kind of way that the fans were treated. Okay. So we've got through the best. We've got through what we think are the worst. What is your, uh, Rob, I'll let you go right into this one. What's your favorite moment of this show? Like what was the one moment where you were just like, yep, that's it. Um, that is an excellent question. Um, I think on episode four, you know, there's, there's definitely some moments there where we start to kind of put everything together. And that's, I think we're really, you know, we had just got done talking about where three was just, ugh, come on. I hope this isn't, I hope this is going to get better, man. There's so many parts of, of the fourth episode where it takes place completely outside the hex. We don't have anything in that that takes place inside. Um, you know, the, the, the seeing the unsnapping happen, um, was, was definitely a great moment. Um, I mentioned before previously, my, my love for that ship of Theseus, uh, scene, um, that might be my favorite, um, out of all of it. It's, it's right up there, uh, for sure. Yeah, for me, definitely seeing the effects of, you know, the snap being undone because again, we hadn't really seen that yet from the MCU. This was something that really showed, wow, what was it like when everybody first came back and it brought back a lot of that weight that that should have had in the MCU that was kind of brushed over. So that was an amazing moment to me. I absolutely love that. Also too, when, 
we talked about a little bit earlier, but when Wanda appears as the Scarlet Witch for the first time, like full blown, not the little glimpse we get when uh, she touches the Mind Stone, but when she comes full blown into that Scarlet Witch costume, like, holy cow, what a, for me, like a geek out moment, but it also helped. And I mentioned it earlier, but I sent you guys a side-by-side photo of this where that costume to me just screams Magneto. Um, There's a lot of comparisons that I drew from that costume to Magneto's, and that was like an off-the-charts moment for me, uh, seeing her in that actual costume. So those are just two parts that I was blown away by. Uh, Harrison, what about you? Uh, There was a lot of moments where I was really like blown away. If I had to pick one that would be my favorite, it's the end of episode seven, the beginning of episode eight, where uh, Catherine Hahn's character, Agnes, reveals herself as Agatha. One, because I was just applauding myself for guessing it. <laughs> and there's a little bit of <laughs> selfish pride that's a part of it. And being like, I told you, Rob, as I'm sitting here on a Friday on my lunch break alone. Just uh, so that I was, was like- really fulfilling. <laughs> I was wondering if anybody heard you like going, who is Rob? Like what? <laughs> so that's definitely part of it. But the other reason that I loved it is one, I talked about how much I loved episode eight. Um, and I uh, started off by just like letting Ka- Catherine Hahn just steal the show as Agatha was tons of fun. Uh, letting her steal the show both in like the, the Salem, uh, when she was a witch, but also later when she confronts Wanda and kind of explains a little bit more about magic, but she's like, uh, says something about how like, she's like, my thoughts aren't uh, available to you tuts. So don't go giving yourself a headache. Like I say that to myself in my head when I need to laugh, like (laughs) imagining Catherine Hunt my thoughts aren't available to you tuts. I I just, I just love that moment. I wouldn't say uh, use that with the wife. (laughs) <laughs> that's true Probably. unless you like sleeping on the couch I mean maybe you do yeah yeah. then I could lay up and think about the ship of Theseus so maybe if I really need some clarity <laughs> oh man so you know one thing too that this show and some of them turned out to be nothing um, but they're fun uh, also too one thing that we talked about during these episodes were the Easter eggs and man, there's so many of them throughout here. Uh, you have little tiny references that are really for fans where in the one commercial with the grocery store, there's something called Bova milk. And if you know the story of Scarlet witch and Quicksilver, uh, there was a midwife named Bova who Rob, we've watched X-Men, the animated series. There's an episode with Bova, the midwife and, finding out who the father is of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the comics and the television series. Um, but there's just, there's so many Easter eggs in this show. So in line with the same thing of like scenes and everything, Rob, any of these Easter eggs that you still maybe have a theory on that we think we're going to see, or just as a fan, you were like, Oh, that's really cool that they just kind of like sprinkled that in there. You know, there's a couple that jump out. Um, you go back to episode one with the um, when the hearts are coming over for dinner. Um, the day, in, and I think I talked about this uh, on the recap of it, but the day in the month that they chose, I want to say it was like 
August 23rd, I think is what the date was, which is uh, the 23rd day of the eighth month, which is 238. Uh, there's an epi- there's an issue of the Avengers issue 238 um, that uh, focuses on them trying to bring Vision back online, which I thought was uh, a really maybe it's a coincidence, uh, but I don't think that it is. Um, so I, I kind of liked that nod. I loved the uh, the nod to House of M with the wine bottle they were pouring. Um, and another one that really stuck with me was I, I really liked the Lagos paper towels commercial, um, you know, for cleaning up messes you didn't mean to make like, holy cow. Like if you knew what that really like, if you, if you caught that reference, um, man, that was kind of cool. And um, I, I think that's one of the things I missed about the final couple episodes is that we didn't get more of the commercials. Um, we didn't get it in, in eight or nine, um, which I thought those were a lot of fun. Um, it caught me by surprise because I don't think we expected that. Um, and, uh, and when they had the Stark toaster in the, in the first uh, episode and then we got you know those same two actors in, in the, each commercial for the, the next few weeks, um, I kind of looked forward to those and I really enjoyed them. Uh, it's kind of a neat thing that they tried that um, you know, it was, it was very creative and I, and I liked it a lot. Awesome. Harrison, what about you, man? Uh, I'm got to go with Rob first and say those commercials were awesome. Like of all the things that didn't need to one, even be a thing, but two to be that good. Uh, and I remember us theorizing about how they meant all this stuff. And I don't think that they were ever intended to mean anything. I think it was just fun. Uh, it was sure as heck fun to theorize about, but they were just like fun. Like they put a commercial in, on a series that you subscribe to. They put a commercial and you're like, <laughs> how infuriating. But, uh, you know, I'd gladly watch those commercials again. Uh, beyond that, I'm just going to say all of the details that they put in episode one where like I spent hours perusing that those first two episodes. What are all these details you know, what can I possibly pull from it? Um, you know, all the M's and all the things alluding to House of M. But my favorite one, without a doubt, is in the very first episode where uh, Vision walks into the kitchen and Wanda's like floating a plate over to put it away. And uh, it smashes on Vision's head. And he's like, oh, my wife and flying saucers. And she replies and says, oh, my husband and his indestructible head, which just like makes Endgame even or Infinity War even worse, but it's just like a funny Easter egg that like, okay, you didn't need to make that. that <laughs> right. Like, you, you know, his head isn't indestructible. It's been crushed twice. Like, <laughs> like, come on now, folks. Uh, yeah. I, I, there's just, again, you know, we started this episode guys by, you know, talking about some of the things that, you know, uh, Rob, a couple of things that him and I thought are a little bit, more unforgivable than than Harrison but it just can't be said enough what this show has done for two characters that you know look fans like us um we're not the minority anymore we're we're the norm uh Rob we talked about this in the MCU recap where the MCU made it where it's not just like oh, you like comic books and you like these characters, you're a nerd. Like, no, everybody likes these things now. It's not uncommon to just walk outside and people are wearing a Captain America shirt or a Deadpool shirt or, you know, something like that. So this show took two characters, the three of us included, 
that not a lot of people really cared about. And you, I just don't think that can be stressed enough how this was able to get them to the status that I feel that they are right now. I, I don't think anybody can walk away from the show and say that I still don't like Wanda and Vision as characters or I don't care about them. I just, I can't imagine there's somebody out there unless that's just, you know, that's the person that wants to argue about it. Um, kind of like Rob with the last Jedi. He just wants to argue <laughs> that it's not good. Um, there we go. But- <laughs> All right, everybody drink. We said it last Jedi, everyone drink. But I just, I can't imagine there's somebody who doesn't feel differently about these characters at the end of the show. And it excites me for what we're going to get with these other series, because, you know, we have Falcon and the winter soldier coming out, which I think people like those two characters right off the bat. We know people love Loki, you know, what will they do with she Hulk? How are they going to work blade moon Knight? Uh, this is such an opportunity to give characters that don't have a lot of mainstream attention, the spotlight that they deserve because they have some really good comic books and storylines. And if they could do this with two characters like this, I I can't wait to see what they do with characters that are already liked like a Loki. And if they can take him even further than the fan base that he has. So uh, Harrison, I'll just let you piggyback off that and kind of recap what the show was able to do with Wanda and Vision. Of course, I got to add before I do, I still want to put it down that I was the first person to suggest that She-Hulk should be a crime drama about all the people dealing with the chaos that the snap caused. Because that would be hilarious. <laughs> I remember yes. uh, Rob generating that idea in my head, and I just want to put it firmly and pridefully that I think that'd be a great idea. I'm probably wrong, but whatever. Uh, so what what the show is able to do was set the bar for what Disney Plus and the MCU means. Like, I remember when they announced WandaVision and all these other shows and ha- how they were stressing, like, these are going to be connected to the rest of the shows. And I wasn't sure if I was going to subscribe to Disney Plus yet. Like, it was before it was really even a thing. I was like, you know what? If I miss him, I'll probably just read like a recap on you or listen to a recap on YouTube before the next movie comes out. Like I had, I really was like, that's not a big deal. Uh, But I'm not missing a single one of these uh, because they're good. And they've set the bar really hard, uh, really high and really excited me that, okay, these aren't just some stupid thing that they're using to just, oh, here's all these dumb things that we're making you watch. So you pay for our Disney plus subscription. So you, you can make sense of the next movie. Like, if you're going to make them connected, make it worthwhile. And they really did. And and not just in like the worthwhile for entertainment, but worthwhile for the characters and also for what it means going forward. Like the character of Wanda is someone I care about now, but also the character of Scarlet Witch is a thing it, both in like name existing in the MCU, but also in threat level. So yeah, it's, it's exciting what it means for the rest of the MCU. And I'm going to take them much more seriously but also in the weird year and a half uh, that we didn't have MC almost two years that we haven't had like MCU content that kind of thrives off of controlling the zeitgeist. Uh, it was refreshing to be excited about the MCU again, because as I've had so much time to enjoy other films, I kind of just like cared less and less about the MCU. But now I'm like, oh, I can't wait. Like, when's the next one? <laughs> and, uh, it's exciting to be hyped up when that Marvel Studios logo comes on again. You know, whether you claim these are amusement parks or not, I don't really care because I'm having the time of my life. So if it's an amusement park, strap me in for 10 laps. I'm ready to go. 
Yeah, Rob, uh, same platform for you. Yeah, so I kind of want to go like one step further than just what does uh, this mean for uh, Marvel and Disney Plus. Let's just kind of look at the shows we've gotten on Disney Plus and, and go ahead and throw Mandalorian in there too. Um, they've had the opportunity to uh, kind of correct some things that maybe people didn't enjoy uh, with some of the films, you know, there, there was a little bit of retconning here, a little bit of retconning there uh, in both uh, this show and a little bit in, um, uh, in in The Mandalorian. Certainly just something as simple as, spoiler alert, uh, bringing Boba Fett back instead of having him killed off in the Sarlacc pit, you know, things like that. Um, it really seems like we've got the opportunity to do things emotionally um, with on television uh, that Disney's giving us uh, with their, their live action shows uh, of their major, major properties that they own um, that it just, um, you know, Harrison's Jack, Jack and spoon fed. I'm Grogu just shoving the frog lady's eggs in my mouth. Like, give me more Disney. Just give me more. I'm just mowing these things down as fast as you can give them to me. I don't care what the project is. You can pick the most obscure. Give me squirrel girl. I will watch a Squirrel Girl episode. Uh, if if Disney says that's the next show, I'm in. I'm just 100% <laughs> in. Give me the most obscure character. I don't even care. It's going to be epic. Yeah, I, I think they, you know, once again, they've just earned trust that they're going to do something good with these. And Harrison, you know, you, you pinpointed that where it could have been very easy when they stated, you know, oh, you're going to need to watch these shows because WandaVision's going to lead into Doctor Strange. It could have very easily been a, well, you need to pay for Disney Plus, otherwise you're not going to you know, know what's going on, but we're not going to put a ton of effort into these shows. You know, obviously, I don't think they'd make them terrible like the Eternals TV show, but they certainly have spared no expense with this, which is refreshing because of how many of these are going to do. So if this is what the bar is, it's really interesting to watch. But I also wonder, Harrison, I'll, I'll pose this question to you first. Do you think that because of how much content we'll get and how these shows will be able to expand these characters, do you think somewhere down the line it might hurt some of the movies because they don't have as much time? Or do you think because they're going to be so interconnected that it's literally almost just an extension of that? So it'll feel like things that happened in, let's say, like Doctor Strange 2 in the multiverse are just an extension, like they've talked about, of WandaVision. So it will feel connected and not just like, ah, eh, there could have been more that they did with this. Uh, yeah, uh, great question by the way like holy smokes let me like, i haven't said this enough to you matt and let me say this rob and i you two we bring this chaotic energy to these episodes and somehow you steer us straight every time and the question you ask i'm always impressed with and i just got to compliment your your hosting abilities of these episodes because i'm pretty Bravo. sure i've tried to tip the canoe a few times and uh, you <laughs> help us stay afloat. So thank you, because that was a great question. But now that I get to the question, uh, I think that it, it's definitely going to be a good balance. Uh, no, uh, We've said this so many times, it's almost uh, pathetic how much we say this. Neither <laughs> of us would have cared about Wanda or Vision without this series. Uh, and 
I'm really grateful for the series because now the next time Wanda or Vision shows up in a project of the MCU, I'm way more intrigued. So I think that it's going to be kind of similar. I, I think we talked about kind of this idea before is similar to comics where the these series on MCU are on, oh my gosh, in Disney Plus are going to be like the the comics for the individual characters. And then the movies are going to be the big crossover events. I don't think it's going to be quite that simple. I think we're still going to get a mix between everything. Uh, but I think that it's going to allow for really rich storytelling, both in the movies and out. I think that there's still specific formats and specific things that are better served in a movie, like an origin story, like we, I'm assuming we're going to get with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Like, I I love a good origin story. I'm, I'm all for it. I know some people don't like them, but I'm all for them. So, like, a good origin story movie, I'm all there. And if you drag that out in a series, especially if I had to wait every week, I would be so irritated. So just like my personal patience, I'm excited that we're still getting both. But also to say like, oh, we got the origin of Monica Rambo as a Spectrum without her standalone movie. And now the next time she shows up in a project, I'm super excited. So uh, I didn't really answer your question except for kind of just like smeared it all around and said, I think it's going to be good. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, uh, to to try and put a definition to your question, uh, I think that that uh, the series definitely has a strength in the ability to develop characters uh, a lot stronger than a movie. But I think that there's still some things that the movies are going to have um, uh, a better chance at, and I'm just excited for both for them to work together. Because if anything is true about WandaVision, it's that it's going to work really well in the rest of the MCU. Uh, including Black Widow, whenever that happens. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm just excited for everything to mesh to get together uh, and how we'll have the benefits of both. Yeah, they they just really quickly, Rob, before I, I let you answer the same thing, uh, they were just adamant that Black Widow will come out May 7th. There was just an article about that, that, nope, it it may 7th it's it's coming out it'll it'll be in theaters and you know don't you don't need to ask that question anymore so that that'll be interesting to see okay. what happens there but rob same question do you have any any worry that some of the movies might get lost in the shuffle because they're just simply not going to have as much time or do you think the way that it seems it's going to be so interconnected it's just going to flow naturally yeah, I think with your origin stories primarily happening in the films and then those relationships building up across multiple films, um, you know, we didn't get a TV show for Tony Stark of any sort. But when he snaps his fingers at the end of Endgame and and starts to die, um, you know, <laughs> <so> tears, <laughs> tears streaming yeah. down my face, you know, like when they play his, his kind of uh, his last message and, and they have the funeral for him, um, you don't need a TV show for that. You know, you can tell the stories you want to tell. I think if I do have a concern, and this has been my, one of my concerns all along, um, you know, what were we going to get quality on, on TV or were we going to just kind of get something that, okay, guys, if you want this almost like DLC and video games, like if you want mm -hmm. all of this, you have to pay this much a month in order to have this. And if you want all of the movies to make sense, you need to watch all this stuff too, which means you have to pay us more money. I, and I, I was in the back of my mind, a little concerned that we might have that. And I still think there's definitely fans that, 
don't have their sisters, husbands, bosses, cousins, friends, Disney plus login that they're going to use <laughs> to watch this. Um, and that's, that's okay. I, my concern is, will there be, will there be casual moviegoers who enjoy these films? Maybe they've seen all of them. Maybe they haven't, um, that won't be as excited or be first in line necessarily like they normally would have been to watch the next film because they didn't see the show. They haven't had time. Um, you know, watching nine weeks of a show is certainly more of, a, of an investment than, you know, when a major tentpole film comes out and, and you make time to go see it. Um, it's easy to get behind on TV. You know, I've got shows that I'm years behind on. Um, will, th- will this dissuade people from engaging in Doctor Strange uh, 2 if they haven't seen this yet? Um, and I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think that's a... That's a pretty good point. So I, I got to jump in here super quick ooh. and say first, Rob, I'm sorry to interrupt you when I, you were talking about Tony Stark saying it was so morbid. You just said it in such a deadpan way. I can, but laugh. Um, and uh, he's uh, dead. I also, I, I, I also, I have to ask you, Matt, because uh, yes, or the other day, well, time is weird. Whatever day we were talking, Rob was saying how you did the justice league episode that I'm currently listening to you, that you guys did without any notes which is impressive. So I have to ask, are you doing this episode without notes? Did you ask me that question off the cuff? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I actually asked you that question while buying something on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> this is unfair. That was using his astral form to uh, think of the question while he was, uh, while he was hosting the show. Yeah. Um, When it comes to something like this, usually I, I don't know. This stuff has just always been a part of my life. So it's, it's so easy for me to think about what I want to say and what I want to talk about now. You know, you asked me, was I supposed to pick you up at five 30 at the airport? Well, you probably know I didn't remember because you took a bus to get here. So um, <laughs> I'm going to call Rob for that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Cause I'm going to have it in my phone and I'm going to have multiple reminders telling me to leave. Um, but you know, we've talked about the nature of fandom a little bit and uh, Matt, even before you started your show, um, there, there was an offline version of Matt goes to the movies and it was pretty much every conversation you and I ever had for the most part was, was at some point kind of a version of this show. And um, yeah, it's, it's great that there is something like this available. I mean, it's, it's like I, we talked about, this is kind of the show that's in, in pop culture right now. This is the one everyone's talking about. And it's about a, a TV show based on a series of films based on, comic books that in the 80s and even earlier than that were for kids and you were a dork if you were into them and almost went bankrupt yeah and (laughs) had to sell off their their most popular characters film rights just to stay afloat um and and we talked about this before i mean to think what sony could have bought the entire assortment of characters for um is is laughable yeah, Rob, wasn't it like twenty five million? Yeah, it was like, like uh, it was like half of what Iron Man brought in at the box office, like half of that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Let it, alone that, the, I, I think Endgame ended up making all of the money. So you know, they just have a printing machine for money now. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the treasurer just brought it and said, "Here, you guys are going to need this. It'll make it easier." <laughs> so. 
you know, it's WandaVision's over. Um bittersweet here. Uh but we'll we'll talk about a couple of things that are still coming in the pipeline from the three of us, which I'm excited about. But uh, there's two ratings that we have to do. One is for this episode alone, and the other one's going to be for what we think of the show as a whole. So uh, I'll go first with just my rating for the episode. I give this one four out of five because the things I mentioned earlier, and I'm not going to harp on them, just the Quicksilver reveal, the, well, or lack thereof, the decision not to use James Spader as the voice of Ultron for white vision in Rob, I'll echo what you said about Hayward, just kind of, especially in this episode too, it's some of his decisions were a little off to me. Again, it's still a solid episode, but I, this one for me is a four out of five. Uh, Rob, I'll let you go next. This one should have been a five. Um, Should have been. Uh, but um, the decision to make currently Quicksilver not actually anything, um, it, it not only makes this episode less less to me, it actually makes the whole series less to me, as much as I enjoyed it overall. Um, and again, like you had mentioned, the the whole point of S.W.O.R.D. and Hayward, um, you know, it just, he turned into a cartoon villain very quickly um, in this final episode for, for no real reason. Um I would have, I, I really would have loved to give this five. Um, but those, those things leave it as a four for me. Harrison, what are, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. For the episode, I'll give it a four and a half, uh, out of five for all the reasons that you guys said, except for the fact that I didn't have any complaints until after the episode, uh, during the thing, I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then it wasn't until like, I stopped being spoon fed as Jack Jack that I was like, okay, maybe not. So four and a half for uh, having both sides strong enough, uh, particularly the, the spoon feeding enjoyment uh, to not even notice the complaints until afterwards. So four and a half. I will say, and Rob, I don't know if you did, but this Quicksilver reveal, it did last longer than four hours. So I believe we're supposed to call a doctor, Um, but that's a bad (laughs) That's that's a terrible dad joke for listeners out there. Um, but oh my God. <laughs> what? Uh, let's talk about the overall episode. Uh, well, I should say series overall series. And Harrison, you go first. What? What's your thoughts, man? What What does this series rate for you? Um, it, it's an easy. <clears throat> excuse me. It's an easy five for me. Uh, I've talked about this before. After episode eight, I was on board that I don't care what happens. Uh, I care about Wanda and the show's ability to make me care about Wanda uh, in such a deep way is uh, a five. Uh, for that reason alone, uh, yeah, there's flaws. Yeah, the season, or uh, it's a series, not a season. I got to stop saying that. The series ended a little bit dry. Uh, there were some areas where there were some serious missteps, but the series as a whole, blew me away week by week and i had no idea that i wanted it this badly like i i had no care for wandavision it was kind of like oh it came out here's the first two episodes i i guess i'm kind of excited because it's something new but then it got to the point where it's like oh my gosh it's tuesday and i need it to be friday already uh so yeah the the series really sucked me in and i deeply care about wanda and vision and i did not before so five out of five Awesome. Rob, 
series for you, where would this rank? So episode nine should have been a five uh, for me. I I couldn't because of a couple of things. Um, This series as a whole probably should have been a five. And if it, I I will say this and, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm still just too hung up on it, but the red herring of Pietro, you know, he, he shows up, um, you know, and at the end of episode five, it's this major cliffhanger. We kind of deal with it the next week. We deal with it the week after. We continue to deal with it, trying to wonder what this is going to mean, how this is all going to tie together. This is a major subplot of the entire series, and it meant nothing. Um, that is the probably the biggest thing, because I can overlook. I mean, I, I've spent time kind of nitpicking this, nitpicking that. Um, I can overlook all of that, and I could have given this a five uh, as a whole series um, because of how much I enjoyed it. Um but it's a four and a half for me, if only because I just felt, I just feel really betrayed by the fake out on Pietro. Yeah, I, I would agree with Rob. Uh, this is a four and a half out of five for me. And again, that's to me, that's a good problem to have because I did not think this would be this, this good. So the you know I, I in no way shape or form want to say that this is a a bad review because this show completely exceeded ex- my expectations and you know to close this episode out here you know we agreed guys that we're going to do falcon and the winter soldier together so i'm i'm super excited about that because this has been a lot of fun so You know, before we close out, I do want to say, you know, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Harrison. This has been awesome to do this show. I really appreciate you guys being on here. Uh, To the listeners, I know, you know, Rob and I talk about this and, you know, Harrison runs the Basement Binge, which again, I I just can't plug that show enough. If you haven't crossed over and listened to any of his episodes, please do that. All his show notes are in the episode uh, notes at the bottom of this. The show's great. It was an inspiration for this show. So I really look forward to filming the Falcon and the winter soldier. And until next time uh, we're, we're going to see on these next episodes. So thanks everybody.